Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning. Let me encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, and if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along with us. I love hearing, it was quiet for a moment there as I was clearing my throat and I heard Bible pages turn. I love that. You know, it really is a privilege and honor. I don't take for granted the opportunity that I have uh, each week uh, to open up God's Word with you. It really is the highlight. Um, it's a blessing. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be able to open up God's Word and just study it, read it, and, and look at it together. And there's so much, so much truth and the depth and the riches, as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that you would know the, the height and the depth and the width and of, of, the, of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus for, for you and I. And, we, and we, we know that by going through God's word. And so here at Quest, that's our heart. That's our desire to travel through the pages of Scripture and discover God's purpose, God's plan. And, and we've been doing that through uh, the book of Daniel, which has been pretty remarkable. Uh, as uh, There's a lot to it. In fact, if you missed last week's message, let me encourage you to go back and watch it online or listen to it on our podcast or um, or Facebook page, uh, because there is a lot of detail described in Daniel's vision of the 70 weeks um, dealing with near and far events of, of prophecy. And so um, over the past couple of weeks, we have been kind of winding down the book of Daniel uh, because we're looking at biblical prophecy and the fulfillment of bi- biblical prophecy and the visions that Daniel sees. The first six chapters in Daniel deal with um, Daniel's character and his heart and his life and his ministry, personally, as he dealt with struggles and challenges. And these last chapters are, are re- really pivotal, pivotal in understanding um, God's future plans. In fact, we looked at last week the prophetic itinerary of God, kind of like a travel agent, if you've ever used a travel agent to you know, kind of plan your your, uh, your vacations, they take care of all the details and they tell you where you're going to be and what time you're going to be there so that there's no stress or worry. And that's what we see in the 70 weeks vision of Daniel chapter 9, that God has a pro- prophetic itinerary and that it is a futuristic certainty that um, what God has planned will take place. In fact, the 70 weeks vision deals with a period of 490 years broken up into three different sections. The first dealing with the rebuilding of, the, of uh, the city of Jerusalem, which was already fulfilled under the leadership of Nehemiah. You can look back at Nehemiah chapter 2 and see the fulfillment of that. Uh, the second is, uh, is a longer period of time, uh, 434 years, um, leading up to the coming of the Messiah and Jesus Christ. And there's a, there's a pivotal verse in chapter 9 that says, and at the end of these 62 weeks, um, a week is uh, described in Hebrew language as a unit of seven. And so for this purpose and understanding, the 70 weeks vision deals with seven years. So 70 weeks times seven years gives us the calculation that God is kind of predetermined and figured out that 
um, the coming of the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself, which is a great picture of uh, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He didn't die for himself. He died for you and I. Greater love is no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And so Jesus um, has sacrificed himself. But then there's, there's a pause. There's a prophetic pause in between the coming of Jesus, the, the, the death on the cross, the resurrection, ascension up into heaven, and then the, the final segment of Daniel's 70-week vision, and that is a seven-year period with the coming of the Antichrist as well as the Great Tribulation. And so the first two uh, situations and events have already taken place, but the last has yet to come. And so during this prophetic pause, we are living during this time. And we're told that Daniel's 70-week vision deals with the nation of Israel. So during this pause, now that's just to say that prophecy isn't being, is, is stopped um, uh, being fulfilled during this time that we live. It's just in relation to Daniel's prophecy, the 70 weeks. So what happens is, is now there's a focus upon the church. Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So now we see the church, the birth of the church, and the mission of God. And so if there's a pause, we know, according to Second Peter, that God's patience brings about salvation. And that his will is that none should perish, but that all should come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So during this pause that God is giving an extension, an interlude, an invitation, an opportunity for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ through the church as they share the gospel and minister to other people is exactly what we're going to be doing during these outreaches on Christmas and, and, uh, and, and other times that we serve our community and love people with Jesus. This is the opportunity that we have to be a part of God's mission and work. So What's interesting about chapter 10, as we are going to be studying that today, is that there is, once again, a bit of a pause in regards to the prophecy. Daniel chapter 9 deals with the 70 weeks prophecy. And then Daniel chapter 11 and 12 deal more specifically in the details. In fact, the details of Daniel's prophecy in chapter 11 are found nowhere else in Scripture. So we're going to spend some time in the next couple weeks diving into those details. But before we do, there is this chapter 10. And in chapter 10, we see... Once again, Daniel, so overwhelmed with anguish over um, the visions and the condition of his people that he prays. And during his prayer, we're re- we're, it is revealed that, that there is a spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual attack against um, God's people and, and God's plan. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today, spiritual hostility. And the point that we want to remember as we read through this chapter is that evil powers are hostile to the good plan of God. Not only as it unfolds in the big redemptive plan of God in history, but also even in our own personal lives. Because if we take the hostility and the opposition that Satan had against Daniel and against God's prophetic plan in the Old Testament, we also know, according to what Jesus said and Paul the Apostle told us to the churches, is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Against spiritual, but against uh, spiritualities and, and principalities and powers and rulers and dominions in, in the heavenly realms. And I think that every single day that a follower of Jesus Christ gets out of bed and gets clothed and walks out into their life, there's a target on our back and there's a spiritual warfare that's happening. And if, if God were to pull back the, um, the veil, so to speak, and allow us to see what was actually happening in the spiritual realm, it would just blow our mind. 
And Daniel um, experiences some of this because he does, he's, he's oblivious to the spiritual warfare that's happening. However, he knows that there's something so serious and so urgent that he goes to God in prayer. And we're going to see this in just three simple ways. First is Daniel's anguish. And what does he do? He prays. Secondly, we're going to see an angel, an appearance of an angel. And then thirdly, we're going to see the antagonist, the one who is against God's plan, and that being evil powers and princes and rulers, but ultimately at the hand of Satan. So get ready. There's a lot of forces that are against you and I as even we read this verse and study this chapter and talk about the spiritual warfare because sometimes the, the, the battles that you are facing in your life right now have nothing to do with that person. They have nothing to do with the bank account. They have nothing to do with the relationship or the work or the environment that you're in, but it has everything to do with Satan coming against you in, spirit, in the spiritual realm. Spiritual battles, fighting. Now, the good thing is that the battle belongs to the Lord. We just sang about the Ancient of Days being on the throne. He's in control of all things. And we're going to get to a point of encouragement in this chapter and in the New Testament that God has given us the ability and the tools, spiritual tools necessary to fight the battles that are raging around us. So, a lot to get to. We pick up our story in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So a couple of things in our introduction here. One is we have a time stamp of Cyrus, the king. Uh, Babylon has fallen. Uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, has come in to conquer. We know that about this time, Daniel was an, was an old, older man, probably around 84 or so years old. And we are told also in Ezra chapter 1 and Ezra chapter 2, if you go back and look at those verses, that there are multiple decrees that Cyrus gave for the people of Israel to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, but also during Nehemiah's time to rebuild the city walls. And so this is in reference to the first wave of Israelites, thousands of them, returning back by the decree of Cyrus, maybe just a couple years in to the return. So uh, this is a fulfillment of what God has already said would take place. And we're told about um, Daniel's name. Do you remember? We have to go all the way back to Daniel chapter 1 when he was a young man uh, taken captive into Babylon. Some scholars suggest that he was probably around 13 or so years old. And during the book of Daniel, we see that Daniel's always mentioned as his name Daniel. And then occasionally we're told whose name was Belshazzar. That was a Babylonian name that was given to him. Now, he was also taken captive with uh, three other men, and we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But those were their Babylonian names. And you probably don't know their Hebrew names <laughs> because there's not as much focus on their names, their Hebrew names. But, um, but it, it gives us a reference to the history of Daniel during this period in time. And the amount of time that God used him from different kingdoms and empires, the Babylonian Empire into the Persian Empire, advising and praying and seeking, being persecuted for his faith, God's great hand of deliverance, and the revelation of so many of these just amazing visions that, uh, that Daniel saw. And the message was true. We know that um, according to the prophecies, they have been fulfilled. So we can have assurance based on 
God's certainty to fulfill what he has planned and orchestrated and designed, but he was also given understanding. And that understanding came through the angel Gabriel. You remember when he had these visions that uh, Gabriel came and gave him instruction and understanding and discernment and wisdom. And much of that was because of Daniel's prayer. We're told that Daniel was a man of prayer, prayed three times a day, constantly seeking the Lord, especially when there was times of, of, um, uh, of uncertainty and of worry and of anxiety. He sought God in prayer. And he was given wisdom and understanding, and that's true for you and I. If there's ever a time of uncertainty, go to the Lord. God desires to give you and I wisdom. And the wisdom from above is first peaceable and gentle and willing to yield. But um, we also know that God will give us liberally wisdom without finding fault if we need discernment and understanding in the things that concern our lives and the things that God is doing in our lives. He doesn't want us to, to go through, through life without having some type of understanding. Now, sometimes that, um, that answer comes immediately as it was in Daniel chapter 9. Immediately, as even while Daniel was still speaking, you remember that verse? I love that verse. Even while Daniel was still speaking, the answer came and uh, Gabriel appeared. And, you know, Jesus even says that even before we pray, God knows what we need as a good father. We can trust him. But what we find in Daniel chapter 10 is a different story. Not in the sense that God he, uh, doesn't hear Daniel's prayer because we're told in Daniel chapter 10 that even as, as the words were coming off of Daniel's lips, God heard the prayer, but it took 21 days to answer. I don't know about you, but that's a long time, three weeks. And uh, I wonder what kind of blessings that we would have missed out on if we stopped praying on the 20th day, right? I mean, Daniel here, he's praying 21 days, and then the angel comes, and he has this vision, and the answer is given. But Daniel here... Uh, gives, he's, he's given understanding. And sometimes that understanding for you and I is one step at a time. You know, just one moment at a time, one day at a time. Often, it's not the full picture where every detail is put into its category and we say, okay, God, now I figure it all out and now I'm at peace. Why? Because if it was that way, then we would kind of go into autopilot. And we would say, well, we know how things are going to go. We don't need to be dependent upon the Lord. But I think delays in the answers to our prayers develops a greater dependency upon God. And we're just trusting him. We're just pressing in. And we see that with Daniel. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning. Everyone say mourning. That's not an early mourning. That's like in anguish. Um, and there's a couple of different mournings, right? I mean, one is because you're in grief over the loss of something. And I know that um, just from time to time, season to season, moment to moment, uh, we can experience grief and mourning and pain. And for you, if you are in a situation or a circumstance like that, let me encourage you that the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our sorrows and tribulations and trials. He's so full of comfort that he inclines his ear, that he's near uh, to the brokenhearted and save such as a contrite spirit. That's the hope and the assurance that we have of God being the great comforter. But this morning is a little bit different uh, because it's speaking of, of a couple things. One is the first wave, as I mentioned, of Israelites have returned to Jerusalem. And apparently Daniel's not in that wave. I don't know if he chose not to go or he had no choice because he was advising and had a top role in the kingdom. But 
his heart is going out for his people. And he knows the near and far uh, prophecies concerning uh, the nation of Israel, the, the trials and the persecutions and the opposition that they're going to experience. So he's mourning and grieving over his people. But um, he's also so overwhelmed by the future visions that he is seeing as well. So he's in anguish. This is where we see Daniel in anguish over the prophetic visions that he's experiencing. I was in mourning for three full weeks. Maybe you've been in mourning for three full years. Who knows? Well, God knows. And this just gives us a timestamp as far as how long Daniel was so grieved in his spirit, moved. When was the last time when you looked around and you saw circumstances and situations that broke God's heart? that broke your heart, that it really grieved you. And you were so overwhelmed with grief, you didn't know where to turn. You know, Jesus says, if you, are, if you are weary and heavy burden, come to me, and I will give you rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my burden, Jesus' burden is easy and my yoke is light. So Jesus has a burden. And you know what his burden is? People. His burden is the lost. Because he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. His burden is that people would come to faith in Jesus Christ and to have a restored and reconciled relationship with him. There's many different burdens, but um, that's a main burden. And when we look uh, out upon the injustices and the, the, the horrific events and the situations that are just bombarding us in our, our life and world today, it should cause the Christ follower anguish and mourning. In fact, in the previous chapter, Daniel was also mourning, praying and fasting. He says he ate no good meat and drank no good wine. And he was in sackcloth and ashes. He was just face down before God, seeking him in anguish and in, in mourning. There was a deliberate and lengthy time of persistent prayer before the Lord. Notice what he says. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or, or wine came into my mouth. Verse 3. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes. We'll just pause there because he's going to look and see this vision of this, this person, this uh, a certain man clothed in linen. And we're just talking about how um, Daniel is grieved and moved. Are you grieved and moved by the things you see uh, going on in, in your life? In, in your world? I hope you are because there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. But there's an example here and a lesson for us, I believe, in Daniel. And that is when there is a mourning and a grief over the circumstances around us, it should cause us to lean into the Lord in prayer and in fasting. In fact, there's a great verse in Isaiah you can write this down. We won't turn there for sake of time. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, talking about the fast that God has chosen. Well, what's a fast? A fast is when you deny your physical flesh the nutrients of food so that you can lean in spiritually to the Lord and seek Him in prayer. And in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, it says, Is not this the fast that God has chosen? There's three things that God desires to see done when his people pray and fast before him. One is to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, and to release the oppressed. This is the fast that God has chosen. And Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, when you seek the Lord, ang anguished 
uh, grieved and burdened over the circumstances around you and I. That could be, you know, just kind of corporately on the outside, but it can also be personally on the inside. You could be grieved because of personal sin or things that are going on that you know that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And so you're overwhelmed with that sense of, of grief and mourning. You say, God, would you forgive me? That was the prayer in Daniel chapter 9. He prayed and confessed his sin openly, per- publicly, um, privately, and personally to, to the Lord. To loose the bonds of wickedness. There are wicked, evil forces going on around us. And praying and fasting for the duration of time that God has called you and I to do that breaks and looses these bonds of wickedness over people's lives. Undoing heavy burdens. There's burdens on on, on people, uh, there's pressures and weights and concerns and worries and anxieties and stresses and hardships. God does something supernatural. I don't know how he does it, but supernatural and spiritual. When we fall on our face, when we fast and pray as a corporate body of Jesus Christ, seeking him to break the bonds of wickedness in our lives in the life of the people that we love and care and are concerned about, to release the oppressed of just wicked, evil forces, the oppression of so many different entices and lures. I mean, the question we would have to ask ourselves when we study this chapter and think about these themes is, how does Satan and how do evil forces oppose God's people? How does he come against you and I? He does it in many different ways. He just gets us distracted. Just distracted on other things. There's so many. I, I just realizing, you know, just this past week, our, our family life is so busy. It's so, so busy. In fact, this past week, just being honest with you, because this is one of the things that we prioritize, we have not had a dinner meal together this past week as a family. And that grieves my heart. I mean, I know just it's a period of time. It's a week, but... You know, there's CIF finals and cross-country practices and uh, things going on at church and um, many things that are, are happening. Can you relate to that? Oh, okay, all right, good. So we're in good company. Can you relate to how busy it is? And, and, and Satan would just try to get you and I distracted. Just looking at, I mean, how many hours have we just binge-watched Something online, just distracted, focused on other things. That really, in the, I mean, our 18-year-old, we're going and touring colleges, and I said, where, how did this happen? <laughs> oh, and now I'm just, I'm like crying on the inside because my oldest baby daughter is going to be going away, and our family is, okay, well, I'm just getting kind of doom and gloom. <laughs> Someone counsel me afterwards, please. If you have gone through this process of grieving, this is my morning, so <laughs> this is my, one of my anguishes, of grieving, but distraction on the things that me, matter most. Brother, your child is good. I mean, he's cute and adorable, your son, but it goes so fast. And we can be so busy. Satan will get us distracted. He'll also get us discouraged. How does he do that? Thoughts in our head. Thinking things that really aren't actually even there. Um, worrying and concern. Apathy is another thing. Just kind of going through the motions. And um, just playing. Playing church. Going through the motions. 
and just apathy. Where was the fire? Where was the anguish? Where was the burden that you took to the Lord as you studied his word and you read the scriptures and you sought him and you, 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 you said, here am I, Lord, send me. I don't know what other people are doing, but here am I. The Lord's looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. Prove himself strong on behalf of heart, whose heart is loyal to him. Well, I'm not loyal to him. God's the only one who's loyal. He's the faithful one. But if we could just say in all of our frailty, and all of our weakness, all of our brokenness, say, God, okay, I'm available to you. You can do what you want to do. Because Satan engages in spiritual warfare to influence generations and even nations against God. And he's been doing that. We took prayer out of our schools. We took the focus off of God. We removed him from our institutions. We said we don't need him anymore. And God is a gentleman. He's not going to push and force his way. But he also has a remnant. That's you and me. The, the church. The bride of Christ. People who are light and salt. People who would stand up and uh, share God's love in their generation. But there is a generational battle. And the generation that we see. In fact, I was looking at this recently um, online. I don't know why it came up. But just like the different generations. Like the boomers and... Um, and the Gen X and the Gen Z. I don't know if you've come across some of those terms, but they're labels that are given to various different generations based on the age and when you were born. And there's the millennials and the Ys and the Zs and the, just the crazies. I don't know if that's the last one they'll, they'll give to the, to the generation, but uh, there's different descriptions and, and uh, different fields of these types of generations just because, like for me, a Gen X uh, generation person um, has a throwback to tradition, but we also grew up with um, cable television that started, with uh, personal computers that came into the home. And so there's different influences that are brought into um, our lives. And there's a powerful influence that Satan brings. I mean, the kids in our generation, they are just so disillusioned. They want to end it. There's kids that are hurting themselves, that are just drugged out, that are sexed out, that are looking for hope and love and connection with other people, even though we are so hyper-connected, so connected with one another. And so now, the, 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 the appeal of being entertained has lost its varnish. And I believe that that is the void in which the church and the body of Christ should speak truth should, should speak the word of God. I hope and believe that you don't come to church on Sunday morning to be entertained, but to be encouraged and to be edified with God's word. Because I'm not an entertainer. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are students of the Bible, of God's word, because it's truth. And friend, you will not come to Quest Church anyways, to be entertained. And perhaps that is part of the downfall to Western Christian culture. Because we have all of these images, we have all of these slideshows, and we have uh, all of this technology that potentially can get us distracted. I'm not saying that those are evil in and of themselves. Let's use them as ways to advance the gospel and to increase our knowledge and fellowship as the body of Christ. But let's not be caught up in them. Because I believe deep down, at your heart of hearts, in, the, in your soul, you don't want and need to be entertained. You want and need to be equipped and encouraged with the Word of God. So absorb it. 
Read it. Study it. Follow it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because Satan is coming against you. He's fighting. And Daniel here, pressing into the Lord for three full weeks. And um, the angel tells him, I came on the 21st day. That's pretty cool. You just keep, keep praying. Keep, um, keep studying. Keep reading. Keep fasting until the breakthrough comes. Until God does something. And I hope that we can see the sparks of spiritual revival. And you know what those are? When people say, hey, can we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night? Because we want to pray for our, 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 our church. And can we call it gather at the cross so that we can just meet under the cross at our church? And it's going to be cold and it's probably going to be rainy and it's going to be dark. But we don't care because God has put on our heart. He's put on a burden on our heart to pray and to seek the Lord and to see the strongholds of Satan broken in our families, in, in our world, in our relationships. That's a spark of revival. You know what a spark of revival is? When our office is full of men for our men's Bible study, all the way around, not just a couple of tables, but all the way around, coming to our men's Bible study, seeking God on how to be men like Joseph. That's a spark of revival. You know what a spark of revival is? When we have ladies and, and moms and aunts bringing their granddaughters and, and their daughters to hear about Jesus and to disciple them in the way, that's a spark of revival. That's amazing. We should celebrate that. We should, be, we should engage in it, participate in it, and say, God, how are you stirring my heart? How, what, is, what is the anguish that you put on my heart? How can I serve you in this pause as we wait for the return of Jesus? Because at any moment, the clock is going to tick again. At any moment, the stopwatch is going to be, be lit. The fuse is going to be lit for the Antichrist. The world is being set. The stage is being set right now for God to fulfill his prophetic promise to you and I. But he's waiting. He's waiting. He's patient. Not only is he waiting for salvation, he's waiting for you and I to step up. He's waiting for you and I to get serious and to press in. And Daniel here, in these verses, he sees this vision. Amazing vision. And look with me there in verse 4. Story continues, now on the 24th day, excuse me, verse 5, I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. I don't even know what Uphaz is, but it sounds pretty remarkable. Uh, if you're a gemologist, if that's even the word that they call them, geologist is maybe the better term, <laughs> gemologist. I'm really edumacated, no. I have, I have a doctorate, but I, I often say, I'm, I'm educated beyond my intelligence, so that's fine with me. <laughs> Down with the people, right? Right where we're at. But this is pretty remarkable. The gold of Uphaz. Sounds pretty, pretty expensive. His body was like beryl. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. It's kind of similar to Saul. Remember Saul on the road to Damascus? He saw a vision of Jesus, and he was so frightened, but the people around him didn't see it. Uh, but they fled. So maybe these men, they didn't see the vision of this individual, but they saw the frightened look on Daniel's face, and they said, oh, we're out of here. Um, we don't want to be, be here. And great terror fell on them. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty, 
and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face to the ground. And suddenly a hand reached out and touched me and lifted me up. Wow, this is great. Um, so there's some speculation as to uh, the identity of this individual. Uh, I'll give you just three. One is Christ. And uh, it's because if you look at John's revelation of Jesus in, um, in uh, the book of Revelation, it's very similar. However, I would suggest, uh, I, I don't think the identity of this, uh, this angel is, is critical to understanding the context of this chapter. However, um, one thing that we do know about this angel, or this individual, is that he needed reinforcements from Michael, the archangel, in order to combat Satan and his evil forces. And uh, the pre-incarnate Christ needs no reinforcement and help. <laughs> so now, when Jesus clothed himself with humanity, we know in the Gospels, he was ministered to and reinforced by angels. But the pre-incarnate Christ does not need reinforcements from anybody. He can just say the word or even the look, right? The mom look. <laughs> uh, and away you go with the evil forces. So um, there, there, there is some that suggest maybe this is Christ. Um, but because of those reasons, perhaps not. Secondly is Gabriel, uh, and we know that Daniel has already seen a vision of Gabriel, and he didn't see uh, Gabriel in this light with this you know, great um, vision of this, of this angel. And so uh, others suggest that uh, perhaps this, this is just an unnamed, unidentified angel, and I think I would be pretty blown away if I saw even just one angel, and it would really freak me out. Because they're beautiful, awesome, created beings. So we don't know exactly the identity of this angel, but we do know a couple things. One is it is brilliant and beautiful. Two is that there's a conversation that Daniel has with this, indiv this, uh, this individual. And third, that they are fighting a spiritual battle and need help and reinforcements from Michael the archangel, which usually when you see Michael in the scriptures, he's the guy that is fighting the battles between good and evil. So Michael, this powerful archangel, is coming to provide support to this angel that, that Daniel sees. And there, look with me the conversation that takes place in verse 11. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. We spent time last week talking about the assurance and the comfort that this phrase would bring to Daniel in his anguish. You are greatly beloved by God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You are beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you. And stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. For I've now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. So he went from his knees on his face, excuse me, his face on the ground to his knees. Now he's standing. It's because of the strength of God. Then he said to me, do not fear. There's an encouraging word. We sang that, actually. I just love how um, the Lord puts our songs together, and, and we sing these promises. Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were, hear, were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, you just stop there, and you realize... For the moment those words come off our lips, when we set our heart to seek God in prayer, he hears. They're like um, put into bowls of incense brought before the Lord, and he smells, and they're pleasing to him. The prayers of the saints, he hears, and he inclines his ear to our prayers. The moment, as we notice the word there, humble, you see that? We humble ourselves before God. 
and we seek his purpose and his plan. But, notice the word, verse, verse 13, there's a transition. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Remember, he prayed for 21 days, for three weeks. So during this time that Daniel's praying, he's pressing into the Lord, there is this spiritual battle that is taking place. Number one, we see the prince. Now the word prince is just a general term for ruler. But Jesus in the Gospels tell us three times he speaks of uh, Jesus as the prince of this world. And so prince has the um, idea of a ruler. Or there is apparently some form of ranks of spiritual powers because in um, Ephesians chapter 6 we're told about the The powers that we wrestle against are principalities, powers, and dominion. So there seems to be some different rank of spiritual forces and powers that are brought against us at the hand or the direction of evil and demonic forces through the power of Satan. And so this prince, maybe maybe a region or an area, Persia, there is this the darkness and principalities and, and dominions over Persia, which is the region that Daniel is living in, in, in at the time. And this prince or ruler is fighting against this mighty angel, calling in reinforcements. Look, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there to fight the king of Persia. And now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. We've already talked about biblical prophecy in Daniel um, uh, fulfilling a near and far uh, future events. The near deals with the fall of Babylon, with the rise of the Persian Empire, with the Greek Empire, as well as an individual coming from the Greek Empire, a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who destroys Jerusalem, desecrates the temple, and is a forerunner for what the Antichrist will do during the Great Tribulation period. And so there's these near events, but then Daniel is also told that this is going to deal with future events in the Great Tribulation period. And when he had spoken such words to me, verse 15, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. There's a purifying work. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying, My Lord, these visions are so very sorrowful. Verse 17, how can I even speak to you? My strength is gone. Verse 18, then the one having the likeness of the man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, verse 19, Greatly beloved, fear not, peace to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight the prince of Persia. So we're told that the the angel coming to answer Daniel's prayer was in spiritual battle and warfare. And now as he's come to give the answer, when he departs from Daniel... He's continuing to fight that battle. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So now we're talking about the powers of these rulers that influence nations and generations in Persia, but also in Greece. He will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. The scripture of truth. What's written in the scripture of truth will come about because of God's purpose and plan. So let me just end with this, and, um, and we'll close with worship. First is, or lastly, 
We've already seen the angel with his radiance giving an, a reassurance to Daniel and an understanding of what is to come. Now, that reassurance and, and understanding is going to come in chapter 11 and 12. Um, however, we are told about the antagonist, Satan, the one who is hostile. And apparently, as I said, some kind of eve, evil angelic being with certain powers and authorities are there to withstand, to block, to resist, and to oppose. And many times, I believe that we can be just like Daniel in this situation, completely oblivious to the contentious spiritual battles and warfare that are, are happening around us. And because of this, God has given us tools. He's given us spiritual tools. As I mentioned, the verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What is the wrestle? There's a battle. There's a fight. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and evil forces in the heavenly realm. And so this battle that we are engaged in is not between you and I. It's not in the physical flesh. It's not in the things that we see. Sure, of course, as we've already noted, Satan can use the physical and often does because that's the world in which we live and operate. Satan will use the physical to bring about the spiritual, uh, the spiritual warfare and attacks and opposition against you and I, but it has nothing to do with the physical. It's a, it's a smokescreen for what Satan is doing behind the scenes. And then we're told that because of this, we can stand against the wiles and the fiery darts of Satan, our enemy, our adversary, who comes against you and I with the, uh, with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, praying always, in all ways, in the Spirit. You see, prayer is a powerful Spiritual weapon against loosing the wickedness and breaking the bonds of spiritual battles in our own personal lives as well as in the world around us. So the question we would ask ourselves as our worship team comes on up and leads us in a closing song. The question to ask ourselves is are we suited up? Well, one is do we recognize the battle? And I think we've laid a solid foundation for recognizing and understanding that what you are experiencing in life oftentimes has nothing to do with our focus and our attention if we are looking at just the physical. But if we allow the Lord to zoom back and pull the veil and see the spiritual, then we realize, wow, there's some serious confrontation happening. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our defender, that we need not fear, that you fight the battles for us. That you strengthen us. That we can stand and put up the shield of faith. Because by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works that no one can boast. That you can be defended against the fiery darts. Now we're not talking about nerf darts here. Just to give a throwback to what was happening last night. We're talking about darts that are just going to take your soul down. These fiery darts are shot with a purpose. But we've been given the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. I am the Lord's and the Lord mm. is mine. Salvation. There is neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come that can ever separate you and I from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
But the devil would say, well, you lost your salvation this week because you had a beer or you got drunk or you looked at that or you, what, I don't know, even just, maybe it's not even those things. Maybe it's other things, just trivial things. God doesn't love you anymore because look what you did. That's the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. You need to have this helmet of salvation on to say, get out of here, Satan. You have no place in my life. I have the sword of the Spirit that cuts through all of these lies. I have the scripture of truth that no angel or no principality or no demonic force can ever fight against. This is what I'm standing on. This is the truth that I hold in my hand. This is the hope that surrounds my heart and my mind. And I'm going to suit up every single day. Friend, you need to suit up. We need to suit up. It would be great if the entire parking lot was full on Tuesday night because we said, God, we need you to break and loose the bonds of wickedness. I need you to deliver me from the oppression of alcohol, pornography, adultery, whatever it is. Break those things in my life. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Heavenly Father, God, would you spark a revival? You're the ancient of days. Lord, would we confess right now to confess our sin, to enlist in the Lord's army, Because demonic hostility is a battlefield certainty for God's divine infantry. We're going out, brothers and sisters. We're in the infantry of the Lord. There's going to be some some darts and some whizzes, some close calls maybe. Right by you. You better be ready. Lord, help us to be ready. Thank you that you are a defense. Surround us. Use us, power us for your purpose. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.